guess what? You're in the Grotto Pod. Guess what else? We're in the Grotto Pod. We are. Guess what? For a third time. All of us here, yep. we're in the Grotto Pod. We are. And we'll soon be joined by Vanessa Waugh. Uh, aw- yeah, scree! Award-winning oh, yeah. author of Deceit and Other Possibilities, along with a bunch of other stuff. And she's a columnist, and she's all kinds of stuff. She's un- She's a force of nature. She she's Hurricane a- Waugh. She might break the Grotto Pod. Yeah. It'd be she- sort of like yeah. this uh, new TV show I started watching called Legion, where this guy... Uh, he is a mutant and he has telekinetic powers. This he, sounds vaguely New Testament y. It's actually comic booky, which I'm really oh. never into, mm-hmm. but he, when he gets mad, whereas the Hulk actually transforms himself right. into a large green monster, right. he stays the same as kind of a slacker, hipster looking guy, but he can just wreak <laughs> utter havoc trouble. on everything. <laughs> you used to bust out of your clothes, but now, dude. Like, oh, dude, I don't know. I'll just make some stuff. Would fly you like around. to know what that reminds me of in art? What? So in medieval art, angels who are super powerful are often shown with little tiny wands because they don't need a big wand. I like that. That's how powerful they are. Uh, and Vanessa's of, little like that. But she, well, okay. Okay. She, she doesn't need a big I was thinking of Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't like where that went. I'm just saying that Vanessa is a not a large person and yet she packs a powerful punch. She is like they used to say of my very own mother. Uh, small but mighty. Yes, yes, she is very mighty. So I'm very familiar with small and mighty people. You had a milestone in your book that you were just telling me about I yesterday. Can did. you share it with all the millions of Grotto Pod listeners? I can. I hope I pronounce it correctly. Okay. Uh, so many wonderful things have happened with the book and they've been very exciting, but I had a moment where I realized it's real. It's in the world, not just the world that I know. Now, we're recording this uh, a week, two weeks weeks, before before the actual publication of the book. But for whatever reason... Broad strokes. Broad strokes. 15 women who made art and made history in that order. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, for whatever reason, I got a notice that a library in Plano or Plano, Plano. Texas. Plano, Plano, Texas. Plano, Texas. It's outside of Dallas. Has put it up on their list for people to reserve. And I... Felt weak. I actually felt weak. You felt it, weak. Because libraries, that's real. That's real. It's a real thing in the world for everybody. Uh, well, as we, I, I can't stand it. And as we were saying, I'm a huge fan of libraries. Yeah, you just said that. I'm a much bigger fan of libraries than I am bookstores, which is actually mm-hmm. kind of counterproductive in this. I don't, I don't like to make that public here in the ground. I because know. Because you hear, when someone says, I like libraries, they hear not spending money on books. But it was Vanessa who gave me the great advice, not that I followed through in any meaningful way, um, that you should try to have friends around the country ask their library to carry your book. Mm -hmm. Vanessa is an absolute master of publicity and not in a vulgar way. She is (laughs) – I mean it. She's amazing. Well, I'd like to delve into that because here at the Grotto, uh, everybody is really engaged in some level of self-promotion. You have to. We have to. The days of like, you know, I'm Hemingway and I'm going to go deep sea fishing while they sell my book. Correct. Those are pretty much over. So we have to do the huckstering. For sure. Ourselves. For sure. And it seems that uh, young Vanessa, can I call her young Vanessa? She's in my world. She's young. She's actually older than I thought, but she's younger than us. Yeah, she's young, which is young. You know, everyone, well, maybe not. We actually, Larry and I just had this conversation recently that almost everyone is younger than us. Almost everyone. When did that happen? I used to always be the youngest person everywhere I went. I felt I was the youngest person. Uh, I was for a while because... 
uh, I don't want to get into it, but I was young. I was a young, I was always the first. You were young once. And then remember there was this period in your life where everyone seemed to be your age? Yes. Remember like your 20s? Like everybody's 25. Yeah, but I was always a little younger. Could That's you, what I thought. Well, oh. My husband, I've been with my husband since I was 20 or 21 and he's six years older than me. Mm. So that might be why. So he's older. He's old. He is that. so old. Oh he's my God. He's a baby God. boomer. He's not, is he? Yeah, he's technically a baby boomer. Really? Yeah. So uh, 61 is baby boomer? Indeed. It's supposed wow. to it goes up to 64, but... I've uh, now told Roy's birth date Yeah, so people, uh, very savvy grotto pod listeners will not only know Roy's real name, but also his birth date. Yep, if you're but very But you don't know his last name, so you can't Google True. him. True. Also, he is not anywhere online. He's one of those people. Speaking yeah. of Luddites... You can no. still find him. You're shaking your oh, head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. he's totally findable. My mistake. He's very findable. <clears throat> uh, and so is Vanessa. Oh, yeah. But I think Vanessa did that on purpose. It's not hard to find Vanessa. So I want to get Vanessa in here and talk a little bit about how to find that balance between how to promote yourself and not sound like a self-promoter. Because have you ever had people, and this is totally a social media phenomenon, where you're friends with them. You know, eventually they're going to have something to promote, right? But in the meanwhile, they're funny on social media, and they're they're you, you see their posts like, hey, that's funny. And then all of a sudden, they got something to promote, and that's it. End of story. Every post is I'm promoting this. Yes, and it's awful. And it you know is. what's different about Vanessa? I'm going to tell you how she started because I've known Vanessa since she was a fellow here before she had any book deals, and Vanessa has always been very generous with other people. Always. Mm. And I'll bet that's how it started. I'll bet people were ready to do for her because she was so generous with other people. She's one of the most generous writers I have ever met with her time, everything. Maybe she can get us a bigger studio. Yeah. Let's see if she can swing that. That'd be pretty cool. Well, let's see if she's here. Okay. Uh, And hopefully uh, whoever's outside laughing right now will stop when she gets here. Did you hear the doorbell? I did. I did. I don't know if our listeners did, but we like to give you the sense of really what's happening. lively here. Here at the grotto, so uh, well, I guess that's about it. Oh, and you know what? We had a little, we had a little um, feedback about letting people know what the grotto is. Right. We assume we assume because we assume we're you know, in because it's world famous and we're in the grotto pod, <laughs> and because pod we're subsumed by the grotto for us. So I um, guess I just want to say that the grotto is just a collective of narrative artists. Is that the way to put it? And if you really want to hear the whole story, go back to episode yeah. three when we mm-hmm. interview. Uh, well, not interview. We were joined by uh, two of the three grotto co-founders, Poe Bronson and Ethan Waters, because they lay the whole thing out and right. uh, blow by blow. But yeah, so this is where we come to do our little work. To do our work, hang out together, share thoughts, share inspiration, share shoulders to cry on. Arguments about how to properly keep the kitchen clean. That's a big one. That's a big part. Like if you had a pie chart, that would be like 50% Mm -hmm. at least. That would definitely be a big part of it. Compost. Compost. That's a perennial. That's a big one. All right. Let's go. And, and who will answer the door? And who will answer the door? Okay. Preferably nobody. Yes, generally. Uh, maybe it's Vanessa, though, <laughs> so let's go find out. Don't ring the door when you come. No one's going to come to the door. Okay, I'm going. All right. Vanessa is already laughing. Has worked her way into the grotto pod, which is something that sort of resembles human Tetris. I don't know if any of you have sons who are the correct age to have been gone through a period where they were just infatuated with Japanese game shows. I am 
I have a son that age. So we watched them all, and one of them was Human Tetris. Do you know what Tetris is? I know what Tetris the game. is. Uh, I know what Human Centipede is. Don't even go there. <laughs> what is it? That, is it naughty? It's, it's, it'll, it'll, <laughs> Vanessa's laughing like it's naughty. It'll strip us of our uh, clean. Yes, our dignity. Really? We'll lose our G rating. We'll lose our clean rating on iTunes. Are you kidding me? Which you've already pushed to the limit I know. A few I got times. in trouble a bunch of times. I I say, Are you too. allowed to say F-bombs on podcasts? Well, well, did Brad Listy let you say F-bombs <laughs> on his podcast? Was he aware of what was going on? He apologized for his F-bombs, but it was uh, oh, yeah, he it had seemed, tons more, of it seemed more gentlemanly than um, a matter of the FCC. I actually got a text from Larry saying that I was pushing. Well, as <laughs> you, you mean during, during the recording <laughs> session? Yeah, I texted her while No, it was later, but I didn't even know I'd done it. And then the ne- very next time I did it again. Look, let's get something out here. I'm a square. He's so That's just how square. it goes. It's I'm crazy. very square. I'm very buttoned down. You know, I'm a little Look bit older. Look at his older. cardigan. You know what my husband would say, Roy? Oh, what Roy if say? If he saw that, he'd say, there's Cheaty McSweater Vest. Che- what? Cheaty McSweater Vest. Cheaty McSweater Vest? I don't know. Okay, yeah. I've got a couple of No, I think that's a faux sweater vest. No, it's not a sweater vest. Oh, wait. Th- those sleeves are... Sleeves are attached. Are separate. No, th- that's, that's not a sweater, sweater vest. It's a cardigan. It's a cardigan. It's not a sweater vest. Exactly. It, but doesn't yeah. it look like a vest? It's... it's Optical illusion vest, but it's not. It's not a vest, uh, Dickie. Once again, everything sounds like a Frank Zappa <laughs> album. <laughs> a title. vest, Dickie. Yes. Optical illusion vest was my favorite Frank Zappa album, or should be. We have Vanessa Waugh here oh, yes. in the Grotto Pod. Um, Vanessa, again, Human Tetris got you in here. The problem is now you'll have to figure out a way out when we're done, which is always one of the more challenging aspects of being on the Grotto Pod. Hot yoga. Oh, Seems like you could just slither right out of this steam bath. Not to oh, be it's too hot. I know. Not to be too off topic, because I know there's people that prefer we stay on topic. But I just want to mm-hmm. share with like you everyone? my experience with hot yoga. I went once. I had never done yoga before. Uh, I thought I was going to die. You've I mean, never so done you've yoga. So you've done no form of yoga. I have since. But I thought, oh, it's hot. I like to work out. It'll be sweaty. I show up in my workout stuff. I'm ready to roll. There's a guy next to me wearing a diaper, which is a little unsettling if you're used to the gym sort of thing. No one helped, no no guidance, nothing. Just like, next move, next move, next move. I seriously, I had like two towels that were just, I think they weren't towels anymore at the end. They were just liquid things. It was awful. But you made your... uh you made weight for the wrestling meet you were in. <laughs> exactly. I thought you said made my There's wife happy. There's actually a great book about hot yoga called Hellbent by Benjamin Lore. Highly recommend it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it should be mandatory reading for all Grotto podcasts. I, it actually, it's hard to, <laughs> to explain how it. hard it is. What we need. Well, I, we do keep the thing at Crisco out there in case it gets a little too tight in here. But I guess what we you need know. is a stool. <laughs> Even though saying that word makes me laugh every time. <laughs> Oh, well, when I was a kid, I actually thought stool sample meant... You go get a three-legged chair? (laughs) Well, I thought you left your specimen on a stool, let's just say. Oh, but that would be so much better than how you... (laughs) No, no, it wouldn't be better. (laughs) Anyway, we have put out more than one call for a stool. And we have gotten no stool sample or otherwise. So we have a chair and it doesn't fit. Yeah, I can barely is, talk. Vanessa didn't know that she would be part of the most scatological episode of the Grotto Pod. Okay. Oh, I, I have five-year-old twins. I'm Nothing is the greater height of humor than the scatological. <laughs> oh, that's it. That's all there is. Yes, you are in daily contact with our humanness. Well, can we talk about that, though? So Vanessa is... 
a highly acclaimed, highly prolific writer. She's got awards just mother, up the wazoo. Yeah. Uh, journalist, novelist, short story writer. Right now, tell me, how do you do it? You're talking about time? I'm talking about every, time, creativity. Um, Vanessa is also probably, I mentioned this already, the most generous writer I know in terms of giving her time to other people and helping people with and their work. Vanessa is possessed of the preternatural ability that we discussed before you got here. We've said things about you you don't know. To be an effective self-promoter without being an obnoxious self-promoter. Yes. As uh, fellow graduate, uh, Fred Vogelstein told me, um, uh, oh, actually, I can't remember. Oh, respectfully Fred. pushy. Respectfully pushy. Oh, it was I Fred who said respectfully pushy. I thought pushy. it was your husband. It was Fred. Well, my Fred told me I was respectfully. He lauded me for being clever, but also respectfully pushy. And so then good. my husband had a T-shirt made up for me. Oh, excellent. With that phrase. Okay. Well, let's go chicken and egg here. What came first? Were you always respectfully pushy? Or did you find at some point that you needed to be respectfully pushy in order to get success in this era of publishing? I'd say I... You see me bringing it down, making it serious uh-huh. there? I like yeah. it. Oh. professional. Make, yeah, because that's that's the, that's how we roll in the ground. It is. Uh-huh. And we also interrupt our guests. That's yes. what we do. And each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think I am naturally... I didn't... I think... Um, well, I don't want to say that I'm naturally... Uh, self-promoter. Well, let's call it self-advocacy. Self-advocacy, oh, yeah. I like that. Well said. Exactly. Lean in, yeah. as it were. Lean in. Well, I think, um, I mean, even from my days being on staff as a reporter, sure, the best idea wins, but it, the best idea also wins depending on how you pitch yourself Correct. to the editor. And, you know, it's been for years that I've thought about like, well, how do I make my goals seem like other a goal that other people want to support? Right. Um, so it's mutually beneficial. And I think also just being a journalist has helped me understand what sort of pitches work and what seems to, what actually might be interesting and what is just baldly self-promotional and of no interest to anyone but the person um, right. Pitching that idea. So so when the time came to promote this book, these stories that I've been working on for a decade, um, I thought about all the ways in which this book might appeal to people other than my mom and my mom's Rotary Club. Right. Yeah. And, and that book is Deceit and Other Possibilities. Yes. Book of short stories. Right. A fabulous award-winning book of short stories. Winner of the? Of the. I had to write it down. <laughs> Asian Pacific American Award for Literature. I was very excited to it's receive that. It's so fantastic. Congratulations. It's the coolest thing. But when you're involved, so, I mean, this is sort of a, a little how-to for, for, I guess, aspiring and continuing writers in this era. Self-advocacy is, is a must. It has to happen, and you have to find that fine line. You can't be too obnoxious, or, or maybe you maybe it's impossible to be too obnoxious. Maybe you just got to keep going. But it seems like you've found that spot. So, again, like you say it comes from being a journalist to some degree, but when did the light click on for you that in order to get this book of short stories out there and lead to something like a novel, which you can fill us in on a little bit how that did lead to that, but when did it click to you that you, knew, that you would know how to do this? 
actually a year, you know, right after I won the contest, um, and I to get my, to get her book published, to get my book published. Um, it was a short. It was a, a contest by Willow Books, and I remember um, being terrified and baffled, thinking, right. uh, and I even put a call out to the Grotto listserv, like, what should I be doing? There's a year to go, plenty of time, or is that enough time at all? And when I was starting, people were saying, like, make friends with booksellers. And I thought, how, how possibly do I just sidle up to them and say, hey. Look at me, I'm here. I'm an author, sell my book. But then you just begin to realize, like any relationship, that Mm -hmm. it has to be mutual and that you're promoting their events. You're buying books from their stores. You're, um, you just realize you're just. You know, it it, it 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 begins to develop naturally, like like any professional relationship that I may have developed, um, say with a source in the community that I, you know, there was back and forth, um, and I think in terms of, um, but 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 also I think something else that I've learned in the whole process of advocacy is how important it is to be part of a community. I agree. So. Even when there's moments where you might feel shy about promoting your work, you could be standing next to your friend and you promote their work and they in turn promote yours. And it's not this back scratchy thing, but because you're genuinely happy to help the person, your friend next to you, and they think nothing of doing the same for you because you are part of this this community, this, you know, this, this relationship where it's not just a matter of asking, but, um, a, but, but a back and forth. It is kind of amazing to me who doesn't have a book published and you know, looking toward, Oh, how am I going to do that? But the amount of traction you can get just from having the grotto's podcast, <laughs> I'm talking about within the grotto. Right. People who have no idea who I am, like, oh, Grotto Pod guy. Yeah, I know who you are. But don't you think it's also, I mean, one of the things that's been a real revelation to me, when I was younger, I would always think, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm too busy to go to a reading. I'm too busy to do that. Or I'm too busy to do that because I need to write. And now I realize there's so much pleasure in meeting other writers, in meeting Mm -hmm. other people who love to hear stories, in going to events that are of interest in the world. It's been... And being at the grotto has been part of me waking up to that, that it's a real cure-all for envy in some ways. I'm so excited that Vanessa wins an award, not because I think, oh, I know Vanessa and now she's going to be big. It's because you've seen someone develop and it's... And you love their work and you're excited for them because well, you have you love, a relationship. And you love them. And you love them. <laughs> but it is. You have a relationship. Well, you know? It it's seeming, real. It starts seeming doable, too. Exactly. Like, exactly. Oh. I knew her when. Because I don't know about you guys, but – and for me, this came late, actually up till I joined the Grotto. And even to a degree when once we started doing this and, and actually sitting down with all you guys and spending an hour learning about your paths – like I had thought that there were two kinds of people in the world. There were the people who made the books and there were the people who read the books. And there really was no in-between, you know? And, and the people that made the books were sort of off in the distance on this weird pedestal. And it had never occurred to me that they were people who went and got their hair done and people who had kids and people who tried to figure out how to pay bills and stuff. They were just these magical book writers. Or, or even just over lunch at the grotto, hearing about people's setbacks. Right. That uh, huge. Yeah. That uh, 
it's not like a 45 degree angle lift off to success, but there's a lot of doubling back. Um, and I think that's all important for people to, to understand and to yeah. hear. Especially when for, for most people, I mean, their exposure to the actual authors is a book and a paragraph explanation and a professionally staged picture. Right. That's it. My husband took my photo. I know. And your photo is so Did good. That, is that professional? He'd like to think of himself that way. <laughs> but I also, even in the use of social media, I know this is a minority opinion, but I really feel that I've made great connections with people through social media. And I've kept up connections. Um, I had coffee this weekend with Jim Ruland, who you oh, also yes. know. I yeah. know. And uh, he and I met at Breadloaf, I think, seven or eight years ago. And we would never have kept in touch if it weren't for Facebook. Right. And we've kind of been seeing what each other's doing. And we're friends on Twitter. We're friends. We follow each other on Twitter. Anyway, and we haven't seen each other in the flesh since Litquake. Mm-hmm. That was the first time in Ooh, years. He, here, or? he was here last weekend. Oh, okay. And I have something to tell you. <laughs> Um, Save it. Off air. Um, but, you know, that's a, but it feels like a real relationship because it is a real relationship. I've bought his books when they've come out. I've been excited to see what he's doing. I've been to his readings. I've been to his reading. LA. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and those are real things. Those aren't, oh, I had my eye on Jim seven years ago at Breadloaf and thought, that's someone who can do Someday. something for me. It's not like that. Well, it is that interesting thing. So it, until I went to grad school, I never read the acknowledgement section yes. of books. But now, of course, it's the thing you flip to Absolutely. at first, if, at the very Absolutely. first. But I remember thinking <laughs> when I would read um, you know, someone's acknowledgements of like some titan, I'm like, how, how, do, how, do, all these, how do all these writers, famous writers, know each other? And then you begin to realize that they weren't famous when they met yeah. each other. Right, exactly. They're definitely... You can fall into that trap when you read the acknowledgments, like they're having a party that I wasn't invited to. Right, for sure. Like, what FOMO. <laughs> What's FOMO? Fear of missing out. Oh yeah, I did know that. I just didn't. It didn't ring a bell. Surely your because I've seen it. I've seen it written. <laughs> it's like YOLO. Though that is sort of the flip side of social media. It can it is. engender quite a bit of FOMO. It can. In fact, I myself, whenever. And this isn't me posting, it's my wife, but everyone's, you guys are always off doing these great things and having a great time. Like, really? Because I think we're watching TV every night. <laughs> we just happen to, when we do go do something, we post a picture of us with the drink in our hand, you know, with right. some great backdrop. And right. Like, That's amazing. They didn't get you cleaning out the cat box. So you can always uh, create a social media persona that is similar to your real persona, but not always entirely but consistent. But scrub clean. Right. You can you can make that better self. Um, but you use social media, I think, to build a brand. You mean myself? You personally oh. are using social <laughs> just, media. Let the record show Larry pointed at Vanessa. Great radio. Thank you. <laughs> I'm the color commentator. I'm yeah. watching it go down. I'm play by play. So respond to that. He's go staring. On. He's staring in her eyes. Now he's snapping his fingers. I think I'm still learning, um, but you uh, begin to realize that each platform has uh, specific strengths. Obviously, um, Instagram is very visual. You don't have to worry so much about being witty. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you you have an arresting image. Um, Twitter, you're just sort of like – it's a – 
I mean, people have said it's like a cocktail party. So you're sort of floating around, listening to conversations, chiming in. And the, the one thing that I had once heard that I've I've followed is that you might feel like, am I shouting into the void or am I repeating right. myself too much? But the, the actual chances of any one person at any one time hearing what you've said is quite small, actually. <laughs> so, but rather than despair, just take that to mean that, fine, you can repost what you're doing slightly differently a few days later and the chances are of someone seeing that post twice are actually quite small. Oh, that is a revelation to <clears throat> me. But I think what you do, though, is different yeah. than that. I mean, maybe that's how you use Facebook. I'm not Facebook friends with you. Oh, Oversight yes. on whose part. <laughs> um, but on Twitter, you're definitely using that. You you, you retweet stuff. You know, you, Obviously, you know, we, we all want to tweet thing promotions, like, oh, I'm going to appear here, I'm going to appear there. But you also tweet uh, themed retweets. I mean, you write a lot about the immigrant experience. It mm-hmm. seems to be that seems to be the brand you're building for yourself. That's the stuff you tweet. That's uh, Vanessa has is it a monthly column in the Chronicle. Weekly, it's weekly. Weekly. Oh, that's, that's a lot why. Of work. And I, I tell me how you do it. I need to. We need to time. We want to get to that time travel. <laughs> that's it. But I guess the question I'm asking is: Is it a conscious thing? Like this is going to be my brand. I'm going to build this, or is it just like this is what I'm interested in, and it just happens to be coming out that way? The latter. Although it is, I remember talking to Zara, who is also at the Grotto and is also master, built master a brand, yeah. at, at, at social you know what, media. You know what Zara's good at? Hashtags. Really I've heard. She's really good, good at hashtags. hashtags. And she's going to be in here a couple weeks. Next week. Oh, next week. Hold, her, hold on to your hats. She is a big personality, perhaps too big for the Grotto pod. Maybe we should oh, go no. bubble. <laughs> we could. We could. Someplace bigger. Uh Anyway, she taught you. Yes. She just taught me that idea of being, you know, being known for certain things, certain topics or issues, but also being authentic, uh, throwing in the occasional tweet about, uh, I don't know, running late, got to get my coffee. (laughs) Here's the other thing that I think you're really great about is retweeting people and interacting with people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember years ago, I had almost no Twitter followers and you were one of the few people who followed me back (laughs) and and would sometimes retweet me or we would talk on Twitter. And that is fun. Like, that's fun. It feels great. The cocktail party that never ends. Exactly. I enjoy that. I really do. And and I personally have now have relationships with people I've never met who I admire, who I <clears throat> love their work. And that came from earnest interest in what they had to say. But, but I do have to say, I, I don't know if it was anything uh, calculated that's what I mean. on my part. I, it, I'm just, um, I'm interested in these things and mm-hmm. it's a way to, I mean, if you can't, you can't fake it. You can't fake it. Otherwise, it's going to be very clear. Well, that was a question I had because I'm like, I wonder if you were getting it in your mind like, okay, this is my brand. Got to keep retweeting. Um, but the, have the two of you – so the cocktail party my, uh, metaphor, have you ever had the negative experiences where someone crashes your cocktail party and starts flaming you on Twitter? Well, I was just reading an article today about why you should mute instead of block. What's I don't know difference? what that means. So if you block someone, they can still see your tweets if they get another account or they re-log oh, in. Plus, they'll see a little sign that – a little notification tells that, them. that tells them you have been blocked. So they'll get fired up. Exactly. Right. They're, they'll, they're, they'll be like, ah, my target hit its, uh, its right. place. Right. But if you mute them, 
you will never see any notification ever again from and they won't know that to them. They're so they just, can just keep posting till their heart's content. And I just don't have to think that about it. That is like it. the ultimate passive aggressive. I love it. But that's so good. That's so good. Okay, so now. And it's also very visual. You imagine them still yelling and nothing coming out. Exactly. Like, or no, they're, I'm in the sound booth. No, they're in the sound right, booth. Right. Right. Right, and they're yeah, they're flailing their hands, their faces getting all like, red, and their veins on their neck are standing out. Sorry, and you're like, oh, I'm over here eating an eclair. Exactly, Ooh, an eclair. I know it's not sound good, but okay. So, but Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, master of all, master of the short story. Do you use Facebook differently than you use Twitter? I, I mean, I'm still trying to figure out Facebook. Um, in some I agree. ways, it's harder. I've been the, there's that whole question of uh, well. Facebook does have appealing privacy settings, so anything with my kids, I, yeah, I, I, I kind of I did the same on, thing. A, sort of a, an, a a different mode than the person I've never met or only met once, or um, so. But Facebook, you there's more of an opportunity for discussion and interaction. So um, I always kind of think of Facebook as a personal tool, and Twitter for one where I get news. Which is why I hate Facebook right now, because everyone I know is suddenly a pundit. And I'm like, no, I go to Twitter for punditry. I go here because you're going to say something funny. But what I do like about Facebook is that friends of friends can see my posts when I post them broadly, the world setting, whatever that is. And I've met interesting people that way, too, who I have some connection to, whether it's where I grew up or people I went to college with. And you can't reach people the same way with Twitter. Right. That, like That's you're, re- true. you're reaching into someone else's world who you have, and, that, and those people and you meet in that person you have in common. And I enjoy oh, right, that. Right, right. Like sometimes, Does that make sense? have yeah. you ever gone yeah. through and seen. There's a dating service based on. On Facebook. I, Facebook, I, like, I like if you that. are in the same circle, right? I did not know that, but that makes so much have sense. Have you ever to gone me. through and seen, like, who some of your friends have in common with yes, you and just been, been blown? Mind blown? That just happened yesterday. <laughs> that actually is one of my favorite things on Twitter or on Facebook. Me too. When you're someone you didn't think knew this other friend somehow are, like, interacting on right. the same thread. Like, someone I knew in high school. That, that's happened to me. In yeah. Southern California, knows someone I knew in Seattle 20 years later and 1,200 miles away. How do they know each other? Right. It's super cool. But just happened to me yesterday. It is. That, uh, that I think, is Facebook at its best. And also cat videos. Cat yeah. videos? I see I'm not that into that. But hedgehogs, that I'm into. Basically corgis for me. Yeah. Okay, wait. Have I wanna... you guys been to Cute Overload? No. no that's but I've Japanese. Seen people it's a Japanese. It. It's a good website. Sometimes when you're feeling really down, it's a place to go. You need it. <laughs> yeah. Cute Overload. I almost said cute overlord. Cute overlord. That would be again a Frank Zappa quite album menacing. title. <laughs> I want to talk about writing. Yeah, let's talk about writing. Because <laughs> what I want to know is, so Vanessa has published a book of short stories this fall or last fall. Do you say it like that? Last fall, 2016. She has a novel due when soon ish or no or already in. We're, well, we're finishing up the editing, and okay. that one is supposed to come out in the spring of 2018. Okay, um, so in a year that comes out, and meanwhile you have a weekly column, and you keep up with all these other things. Uh, so how do you manage, like I have a book coming out in two weeks and every day I have to meditate for 10 minutes in the morning so that I don't have an anxiety attack about this one thing. My kids are older than you, yours. I have this one thing and I can barely manage it. 
So she's talking I'm, how she manages the time or just the mental space. Isn't it the same thing? Is it not the same thing? Are those two different things? Well, I think I think you bring up a good point, and there's there's ways to address both those things. Um, but in terms of say just keeping track what of what I need to do, I'm like a big believer in lists, not only at the start of the day, but at the end of the day, kind That's of right. thinking about what I did that day and what I need to do next in a very specific fashion. How much do you drill down on these lists? Uh, I mean, it could be as detailed as, you know, highlight the pages at all the points where sensory detail appears um, and figure out what what's missing. So... Um, or and is it on that same list? Make a dentist appointment for the kids, or are those different lists? Separate. I guess it's all. I, I'm. Uh, it's, I use two columns myself. Yeah. I have a big oh, oh for separate work, and personal. work column, home. That's column. That's a good idea. Yeah, I need to do that. I think also. Um, I just like to, you know, close the loop, as they say. That you know, I make a decision on whether something needs to be addressed and when, and then. You do it. Yeah. And then I don't – or I say it's going to be addressed next week. Mm -hmm. So – but also just in terms – and, you know, honestly, I've felt a little bit out of whack since being sick in the holidays, but I'm trying to get back on the horse. I do think regular exercise is important for my creative Mm -hmm. process. Um, Those things that you struggle with while at the computer, suddenly when you're swimming a lap or going for a run, suddenly you can – it becomes clear what you need to do. What's your poison? What do you like to do for workout? Oh, I love swimming and running. You swim. So do you get ideas while you're doing that? It's more like um, if I've been struggling with something, the act of somehow being away from the computer, like freeze, it, whatever absolutely. is bubbling up uh, in my subconsciousness to to bubble up. It doesn't yeah. feel like... I'm going to work out this plot problem. Yeah. It, it, it feels like... you just get... Yeah, I mean, I used to get before the age of podcasts. I used to get ideas when I was walking. Now, yeah, I, now I'm listening to podcasts. Same. <laughs> We're never alone anymore. Never. That's why actually swimming is good because you're not yeah. listening to right. anything while you're swimming. Wait, how is that possible? I have an audio flood. I listen again. Yeah. Frank Zappa album title: Audio Flood. Oh, but you need you swim for like a zillion hours because you're like it's swimming. So boring. To like. Alcatraz. Bridget's yes. big secret, June. Grotto Pod listeners, is that she's a triathlete. A very mediocre triathlete, but still, I do it. That's the you sound you hear. You Alcatraz. I know that's me once. rolling my eyes at the word <laughs> mediocre. But you know what? I think you both bring up uh, what I consider an interesting point that I don't hear writers talk a lot about is the idea of physicality and the need to get away from your desk because. I found like the days drive me crazy. So I first thing work out. That's like I wake up, boom, go to the gym because otherwise I'm not going to go. So I go to the gym, get back. What's your poison? Yeah, you know I don't. I'm a sports guy and I'm too old to play sports, so I'm just a gym guy now. You know I'm like a cardio weights blah 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 and walking. But lots of walking. What drives me crazy now is I'll come home from the gym. I got my little Fitbit on right, and I got oh I'm at ten thousand steps and it's eleven o'clock. Ready to roll. Big day. Sit down here. Sit down on my computer. Five o'clock. I got 11,000 steps. I just walked 1,000 steps in five hours because I've been sitting here for the last five hours. So it's not – for me, I think I'm getting frustrated with the idea of I have my workout period and then I sit at the computer. I'd like to find a way to have it be more of a ongoing – You need a walking desk. Is there such a thing? Is it like one of those uh, bicycle bar things? Ethan has one in his office. It's quite the trend. Yeah. 
Is there oh, such a thing? Oh, like that uh, treadmill deal? Yeah. yeah. But I think his How is a walking desk. How does he like that? I feel like I could do interviews on a walking treadmill, but it would be hard for me to compose. I feel like it would end in me flinging, being flung off the back. I will say that when I started at the Grotto five or six years ago, whenever it was, there were many walking desks, and now Ethan's is the only one I see, <laughs> an and I don't perhaps. ever see him on it. Well, or the other big thing is uh, walking conversations, Walk, I, walking meetings. I do like that. Very, Julia uh, Shears took me out for a walk to go over my memoir. And it was very helpful. It's worked for the mafia for years. Well, because you're not looking at someone in the like you're just. It was much easier to talk through. I really did or think even, it was good. Uh, who's the guy? Laird Harrison. Mm-hmm. Oh right, he goes on. He goes on walks like once every couple hours. Like we're all going for a walk, which I have not been here to do because I'm not here the same days here. But I'd love to. Just like ah, let's go get the lungs full for 20 minutes and then come You'd back. You go out and, there, run into all the hipsters, get angry, and which might fuel could whatever be. I okay, happen yeah, to be. I could, could be. go into my own form of punditry. Um, but Vanessa, when you are working on, say, when you were finishing the novel, is are there certain days of the week that you do fiction writing? Are there parts of the day, to give Larry's example, where he works out in the morning? I mean, how do you fold in meeting all these deadlines with creative work, which takes as long as it takes? Right. I mean, I think for me, you uh, try and think about uh, hours of power. Um, what are the, your, your best right. hours? Mm-hmm. And then for me, it's late the morning uh and so that's when you work on the projects that are most important to you and stuff that's less compelling but still important like filing invoices or or i really have trouble with that or going on to twitter maybe you do that friday afternoon when you there's stuff you still have to do but is is uh you know, just make sure that when you're at your best, you're working on the things that are most important to you. I'll tell you That's what. great advice. If there are millennials listening to the Grotto Pod. Which is unlikely. I, <laughs> I hope it's not but unlikely. But the, the young kids these days love podcasts. Love podcasts. But not by old people. Talking about writing. But no, I, would, I, I hope if we can do anything, it's to dispel the rumor that the writing life is still... Going up to your garret and sitting there writing and doing nothing else and waiting for fame and fortune to come hit you. It's all these other little things that you it have to figure out. It was never like that. When you said Hemingway, Hemingway's hanging out with F. Scott Fitzgerald and okay, Gertrude Stein. Writing and, and hanging out. Yeah. That would be like the upside. Okay, that's it. That's it. You but drink he, and you write. He wasn't that's like, it. but was he like firing off cover letters and I don't know. cold calling editors and thinking I, of ways to build his platform? No, his platform was what held him up after he'd been drinking all night. Okay. But I'm just saying. Yeah. I got good. I think yep. that we're doing a service, yep. a public service, because it's not a professional service yet. And, but all that being said, <laughs> the, to get to that place, you have to work on craft. You have to. Right. Yeah. And that's because I see the opposite problem sometimes, that people are so obsessed with building their Twitter following and creating the world's greatest website for themselves and are not. That was me dropping my notebook. Mm-hmm. And not... Working on craft, that's, it has to well, start that, I mean, at the end of the day, whether you take, you have your, I don't know, walking meetings or go, swimming or whatever, you, you are by yourself for long stretches <sighs> of time. Amen. I know, so long. So I long. was just going to ask you if you ever fall into the trap of thinking, all right, today I, you know, updated all of my paperwork, I build a few people, I tweeted all this stuff, good day's work, and then, oh shoot, I forgot to write. <laughs> That happens to me almost every day. I hate to say oh, it. Oh, and also, and 
managed this house and got all these errands done and got the kids here and there and boom, productive day. I think any day you can, uh, when everyone is all intact, is still cause for <laughs> I agree. I agree. I had counted the other night. One, two, three, four. We're good. I do remember in college, I ran into a professor of mine, um, a writing professor of mine. He was exiting Victoria's Secret. Oh, oh boy. It was right before Valentine's Day. Anyway, okay. Okay. Well, he, said, he said, oh, I realized that this is, this counts as writing time too. Going to Victoria's Secret. Running into you? Run, run, no, running errands or. Oh, right, right, right. Right. For and his I, taxes? And for, uh, he was buying something for his, his wife or girlfriend. Or, as far as you know. knew. As far as I knew. Maybe it was research. But I think the point is, um, I get it. Being a writer, yes, it is about sitting down and writing, but it's also about being engaged in the world. And uh, so in the end, um, you have to figure out what's going to get you through to the end of that project. Yeah. Rebecca Solnit had a piece in LitHub a couple months ago. Uh, something like how to be a writer. And that was one of them was writing isn't just sitting down and pounding out words. Writing. Right. It's re and reading gets lost by a lot of people. Actually, yeah. When I taught, um, it was always interesting. I would teach uh, this creative writing class to these undergrads and the softball question on the first day, the icebreaker, it's like, Oh, what's the last thing you read? Ooh. Yeah. And some of my students were just, were the question really threw them. And then they said, um, the internet, uh, Madonna. Mm. Or To Kill a Mockingbird, something they read in ninth grade or something. And actually, yeah. I think you leave out a third element that I, by accident, take really seriously. It's listening to people. You know, just listening to everyone around you. I told my son wants to be a filmmaker, and he's trying to write his first screenplay, and his dialogue's awful. And I'm like, oh, dialogue's so hard. Just listen to people. Listen to how they talk and what they sound like and what the rhythms are. I'm a real big proponent of that, just listening. I think it's as important as reading, especially when it comes to dialogue. you got to hear what people are like. Well, and... Frankly, a lot of the inspiration for my short stories came from conversations that I had with people, anecdotes they shared that I sort of tucked away mm -hmm. and then, you know, slowly as I heard other things that were interesting combined to then inspire um, me to, to write the story. I don't want to give anything away because I know you're seeing Ethel Rowan tonight. I was just thinking of this too. Yeah, so you say it. So Ethel's book, uh, The Weight of Him, and we just had her in here last week, and she explained how she got the idea for the book. She was somewhere. Just in line or something, just out and about. And she'd overheard some people talking um, about someone who's had just suffered a loss, and they said, well, if the grief, if the grief doesn't kill her, her weight will kill her, or something like yeah. that. The grief doesn't kill her weight. And she's like, wow, cool, cling, ding, you know. That's and where that stuff comes became from. Became a man, got set in Ireland. Boom. Became a suicide. I mean, all, the entire novel sprung from this overheard snippet. Yep. So it does, lesson learned, go to Victoria's Secret. Go to Victoria's Victoria Secret in Secret. the middle of the day. It is kind of true. You do have to be out in the world. Yes. I think that when I was younger, I did try to always seal myself off so I'd have time and space to think and write. And there is something about having a really rich life in the world that well, feeds you too. Well, and it's not just about socializing though, but sort of, sort of having an ear, like a, a sense of like story, story, story. Like right. that, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. See, I'm not sure it's socializing at all. In fact, I think I would prefer to be invisible most of the time just so you can <laughs> eavesdrop. It's more about eavesdropping than socializing. Yeah. Especially, you know, I, you ever uh, – sometimes writers get stuck in this world where they're writing about writers. 
Yes. Uh, two girls in New York uh, right. finding their way. Uh, will they go get their MFA or right. will they write a book? And, like, I love Richard Russo, but he's always writing about, you know, he's a professor at a small college. And I'm like, well, I wonder where he got that idea from. <laughs> Although I do like that. but I do like those sorts of books, too. But, but let's say that Vanessa's book has... Not that way at not all. not that way at all. I mean, such an amazing, rich collection of characters. Yeah. Can we say who some of them are? Is that okay to do? Sure. My favorite, of course. Is the uh, Hong Kong pop star? Oh, yeah, that might be <laughs> my favorite too. Hong actually, Kong pop star. And uh, there's oh, there's uh, you know young women who are one who is that's one of my favorite stories. I don't remember the name of it. The oh, one a, who's a Stanford yes, imposter. Yes, <laughs> the Stanford imposter. And the Stanford imposter. There's the story the where assimilated immigrant and the unassimilated. Uh-huh, that's a really F-O-B good FOB versus ABC. That's right. That's right. FOB. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know they're not even this. And there's a young gay man. There's, there's a young Latino kid. Right. I mean, this is a, these are not gender, so you got ra- an imagination. Ethnic, right. It's like the whole gamut. Um, that's feeling both, I, you've really observed. You've observed the world. Oh, my God. You're doing it. <laughs> Vanessa, this is why. I have to tell you this. this you already why. know how. I know. Oh, she's so good. But this is, there's so many interesting things out there. I can't right. uh, help but think it's always... You know, obviously, there's a place for fiction where it's it's um, like th- thinly veiled of your own life. But then mm-hmm. I, I think also it's I love just having a chance to enter someone else's mind and heart who is very different from me to try and understand them. Well, and I also think you can take issues and themes that are autobiographical and apply them to characters who have nothing to do with you. Right. Sometimes you understand yourself better seeing someone else. Oh, totally. Do it. Just kind of write it Feel out. Feel it. Just write it out, man. Yeah. It was funny, though. Someone the other day asked me, like, oh, does your family – do you write about your family in your fiction and how do they feel about it? Um, and I think for me, since I have an outlet in I was going to say, essays, you write about them. I, I write about I them, know, them all the time. I literally about. write about them. But at the same time, there are probably aspects in my fiction that are um, autobiographical, but not in any way that would be clear mm-hmm. to the reader. Right. I wanted to ask you something. You just recently went back to your MFA alma mater to speak. Yes, yes. What was that like? Yeah, that was like last week, right? Yeah, Yeah. at uh, UC Riverside's um, Writer's Week. Okay, don't want to put words in your mouth, but I have these moments where I think, I wish I could go back and tell that girl it's going to be okay and it's all going to pay off. (laughs) And did you have that feeling going back there? Well, I I do remember um, joking with some another writer that what we really, we didn't want a career coach. We wanted a psychic (laughs) Yes, exactly. Oh my God, brilliant. Everything in the end would work out. Um, well, and it was funny because I went to the library um, because you I knew they had that. acquired my book, and there it was on the shelf, which was just a great feeling. But even more eerie, it was next to my MFA thesis, <laughs> right? Well, because they put "wa" next to "wa." Exactly. Yeah, that's like alphabetical. <laughs> but that's one of those things where you you know the university yes. has it, and that it's part of the whole totally. academic. Uh, whatever font of knowledge, but you, you don't think it's just sitting there on the shelf. Anyone could, Anyone read, could it. read it. That's Actually, pretty scary. another story from grad school. So a, a classmate of mine would request MFA thesis of famous authors. Oh, cool. To, to show, to kind of teach uh, himself yes. that mm-hmm. like this person was once at this human, human too. Yeah. So, yeah. So I need to tell Vanessa what happened to me, even though everyone who's listening already knows. Which is? Which is that uh, I just found out that a 
library in Plano, Texas has my book available. Yay! I know. And I, and I was telling Texas. Larry, I remember when Vanessa was saying, see, to have, uh, try to get libraries to carry your book. Like, that's a way to get your book in the world. Cool. And I was so moved by it. I can't even tell you to know. It feels real, so real now that yes. a library... A library has my book. Anyone could have, could read it. And no, might want it's to. the best feeling. Oh my gosh, it's the best feeling. I'm thrilled. And well, that. oh, have you ever gone on WorldCat? No, what's that? It's a <laughs> listing. I don't know if it's, it's actually not entirely complete, but it will show, um, it's somehow an index of libraries around the world. And so a copy of my book, I found out, is in Alice Springs, Australia. That oh, wow. I have no idea why. That's middle of nowhere. <laughs> Alice Springs, Australia. And I read, Australia. did you guys read A Town Like Alice? Yeah, is that it? Yeah. Is that Alice? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is the coolest thing. I absolutely love it. So I heart librarians. Public. You heart librarians? I heart librarians. Yes. One more yes. thing about going back to your school. Yes. Did it feel like a triumphant return? Well, actually, I was really sick. I had horrible. Oh, no. I caught the plague I had at it. AWP, as they yes. say. You got the. I got it in Washington D.C. too. I, that's where I got so sick. At the at the AWP. No, I went to the Women's March on Washington, but it's the same place. The plague is there. Oh, I think it has more to do with being among a lot of people and staying up late every day. Okay, or whatever. just because we're normally shut ins. In this tiny room. Oh, right. We're like uh, boys in a bubble. Um, <laughs> but no, it was a great feeling to, to go back. And, um, you know, two of my mentors were at the reading. Oh, my gosh. And wow. just, um, you know, you, yeah, you're, you're toiling away. You're in grad school. You're wondering if you're ever going to publish. But then to be able to go back um, was a really uh, unforgettable feeling. So fantastic. That's pretty awesome. But I don't think any writer ever feels like, I've made it. Right. What if you were listed under notable alumni on their Wikipedia page? Would that feel like you had made it? I I guess I need to... Let's uh, look. Maybe you're already there. Or we can put it there. Can't you just make your own Wikipedia stuff? Can't we just put it there? How does it work? I don't think you can. I think everything has to be cited. Because otherwise, I would have made one for myself a long time ago. Okay. It would not have been covered. Well, actually, someone here uh, offered to make me a Wikipedia page. So, it's a, it's but do you have to be like made an editor? But she, I think she's already in right, that. Right, right. That's how it is. Mm. Yeah. Well, did you say yes? Yeah. Come on. I did. I did say yes. Okay. I think that's right. I don't think anyone will condemn you for that. Yeah. I, I guess I need to check on that though, because I think she wanted me to look it over, and I don't remember, remember doing that. After yeah. we get off, we'll look it up. Yes. Speaking of which, <laughs> we are running down to the wire. Oh, we are. What do we say now? Oh, well, one thing I want to say is everyone should check out the fantastic music that we have on the Grotto Pod by Sugartown, who are Grottoites. Grottoites. Local. Uh, their Facebook page is Facebook slash Sugartown, California. You can download – or I don't think you can download music there, but you can stream some, listen in. Uh, yeah, we use their music for our intro, our outro, and everything else you hear. It's all them. Vanessa, how can we get a hold of you? You could go to my website, www.vanessahua.com, or you can find me on the Twitter cocktail party yes. at Vanessa underscore Hua. Sparkling conversation there. Mm-hmm. Um, as for us, uh, you can find us on Twitter at The Grotto Pod. You can find us on Facebook slash GrottoPod. Uh, it's a little a little tricky to get to our website, sfgrotto.org slash craft slash 
Grotto Pod. I know that's kind Just of a mouthful, for the but craft tab. Look for the craft tab, and you'll find us crafty podcast. That's right. Under there. Most importantly, go to iTunes. Oh, good point. Subscribe, subscribe, peeps, and review. And oh, review. see our pushy but respectful friend. <laughs> review, so review so is what we need at the same time. Can you actually be this pushy and respectful and say we need five stars? Email me. Email me if you have some issues. I'm great at constructive criticism, but only put five stars (laughs) at iTunes, please. Uh, As for me, you can follow me at that Larry Rosen. Or, again, if you can't get enough of me, isitgoodforthejews.com is my other podcast. You can get a hold of Bridget at? At bquinterest. That's Instagram and Twitter. Or BridgetQuinnAuthor.com. Instagram. I didn't even think Instagram, that. yes. Is there another BridgetQuinn.com? There are BridgetQuinn. Okay, when yeah, I say I this. I looked it up the other day. When I say this, people think it's funny. It's a very ethnic name. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the kind of ethnic. So Bridget Quinn is like an Irish-American package. There are tons of And of, of course, Quinns. not only is there a Larry Rosen who was the uh, oh, yeah. pioneer of online audio who passed away recently. Narrowing it down a bit. There's actually a, a Lawrence Eric Rosen, which is my full name, who's a lawyer who went to the same school as me. <laughs> is he about the same age? But you went to a Jesuit school. Yes. It's weird. He is maybe a little bit older and he has more, less Russian gangster, more standard middle-aged Jewish guy <laughs> look with the beard, you know, and the fringe of hair and stuff. Um, not me. Not you. You're nor, that Larry Rosen. <laughs> nor am I the Larry Rosen that once produced the Partridge family and was married to Don Wells. So if you don't know, there was a Bridget Quinn on Fox News for years, for years. Oh, right. She was a sideline commentator. She was blonde. You'd be surprised to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, that I couldn't get my, I couldn't get BridgetQuinn.com or .org or any of those. Well, no, not .org or .net. 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 When you go down that road, you sound, you seem a little sketchy. Like you're like like from 1992. (laughs) .net's going to be huge. Exactly. (laughs) Agreed. I just went with Bridget Quinn author, which is also a mouthful. So. I'm getting the sign. But enough about people who aren't us. This is us. This is us. Just us. We're in the grotto pod. And we fit yeah. perfectly. It's going to be human Tetris to get out of here. We'll right. get the Crisco. BQ, take us out. Okay. I just want to say read. I really mean it. Write and just keep working. Bye-bye, grotto peeps. <laughs>